We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. On our last episode, Sandra Peoples, an author, pastor's wife, special needs mom and sister, gave us a look at the grace and mercy God gives in seasons of suffering. The Lord has used her unique story to be a help and blessing to families impacted by disability around the globe. Today, we're pleased to continue our conversation with Sandra, diving in a little deeper on the subject of disability ministry. Sandra, Paul and I have been reading through your book, Unexpected Blessings. We're reading it cover to cover. (laughs) The hope that you offer in this book by digging deep into the Bible is just so refreshing for us. Um, We wanted to take just a moment or two to talk to you in more detail about disability ministry. We're often all drawn to success stories. And through your book and your blog, we're really encouraged hearing about the incredible things God is accomplishing through your ministry. But we also understand there were plenty of ups and downs getting to where you are today. Uh So would you be willing to tell us about some of the challenges you faced, particularly in your early years of starting up disability ministry? You know, I'm reminded of in the book of Acts, the widows were coming and they said, we're not getting fed the way we need to. They came to the disciples and the disciples said, well, we're really busy preaching and we don't have time to meet everybody's practical needs. And that's when the deacon ministry was started. And so when I think of coming to a church and suggesting to a church that that they need to start a ministry that maybe they've never thought of before. That's what I'm reminded of, that that most of the time pastors aren't anti-special needs ministry, but if they don't have a personal reason to have started one, it doesn't even cross their minds. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something you start right away, like a children's ministry and a youth ministry and a music ministry, these things that you walk into any church and you find those at least at some level. And so I try to really give pastors and church staff the benefit of the doubt that once they're aware of the needs of the disability community, then they can prayerfully take some steps to meet those needs. And and that's a hard, it's a hard sell in some ways because every ministry is fighting over money and volunteers and space, right? And right. so then you're taking and adding this ministry that um, needs those things and not only needs volunteers, but needs volunteers that maybe have a special skill set. And we don't only need some space, we kind of need a lot of space in some instances. And so if you're a church that has no special needs ministry and you are wanting to start one, I think the best way is to kind of do the buddy model, which means um, you're training either older teenagers or an adult to go alongside the child with disabilities in the regular class and to provide help for them. Then the next step of that is usually a sensory class 
um, for kids. So James is considered, so autism has three levels, level one, which we used to call Asperger's, level two, which means uh, children and adults who need moderate help, and then level three, which is children and adults who need significant help. And so James falls into that level three. They're often referred to as nonverbal. James has some verbal ability, but uh, no conversational ability. And so for him to be happy at church and calm, he really thrives in a separate sensory room class. And that's what we've built here at our church. Um, and we had that at our even smaller church in Pennsylvania. So that church was about 125 to 150 people. Our church now is 350 to 400. Um, but they're even smaller and, of course, much bigger churches that are able to do this because I think that we learn in Corinthians that God knits together a church. He He has all of the parts he needs and so sometimes we just have to find those parts and empower them and then release them to do the ministry that we need them to do. So like in our church in Pennsylvania, the woman who um, did such a great job helping start it and even lead it, she was an occupational therapist. And then we had uh, a special ed teacher and we had a man who was himself on the autism spectrum and they were all really significant helpers in, in starting that ministry and then strengthening it because it's it was also really important to me that after we left that church, the program continued, that it wasn't personality-based. You know how sometimes um, things, they're more, they once the personality leaves, then then there's not quite the same draw, but they've, they've really continued to invest in families and draw them in. And so, um, you know, there's, there's so many challenges, but I just, God, we've always found God to be faithful to meet us where we are. And, and that doesn't mean that, um, that we say yes in every way. Like we have Sunday morning programming and we have people volunteers for that every Sunday, but it's much harder for us to get like Wednesday night volunteers or Sunday night volunteers. And so there have been times that we've said, I'm sorry, we don't have enough volunteers, we can't have this for your family for this season, um, but we just continue to pray that God would would bring faithful workers and that we they'd be willing to be trained and that we could continue to grow. I don't think God is going to bring um, – he's not going to continue to grow our ministry until our church – grows with it. And so, as I mentioned, we're, we're trying to find space for our older, for our teenagers and then our adults. And so we have to continue to be faithful to meet those needs. And then hopefully he'll bring the increase as we continue to be faithful. Mm-hmm. As families come into the church and they're living with a disability, a lot of times they don't feel connected why is it challenging for them to have meaningful friendships? Well, there's a few reasons. One of them um, is busyness. <laughs> you know, like right now we're in a season of James going to therapy for so many hours a week. And so we're on the road. Like it takes me 30 minutes to getting there, 30 minutes back home, and then 30 minutes to pick him up. And so that's two hours of my day that we're just on the road. And then we've had seasons when he was younger that therapists would come to our house for hours. And so just the schedule of, 
of what it takes to help our kids be healthy and thriving can sometimes either wear us out so that we're unable at the evening to be able to do anything, or it just takes us, you know, like right now I have to pick him up during lunchtime. And so if I have a stay-at-home mom friend who says, hey, can we grab lunch? I have to say, no, I I can't do that because I'm on the road with James at that time. And and so, and our families who have children with high medical needs, if you think about their extended hospital stays and, and things that they go through, part of it is just busyness. And then another part of it is James is 12, but cognitively and behaviorally, he's much closer to a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so if I have friends who are close to my age and their kids are close to my kids' ages, so that's like middle school age, and we go over to their house, I can't just let James go play with the other kids <laughs> like I can let David. I, I have to be watching James all the time yeah. um, because his behavior is much more like a toddler. And so that keeps me from really investing in friendships with women around my age, around the 40s, because they, they're able to sit and just let the kids go play Xbox or, you know, whatever, but I, I can't do that. And so even when... Um, you know, we're getting together with bigger groups. I'm still like that, like that helicopter mom or that toddler mom where I I constantly have to have my eye on him. And so that keeps me from sitting and enjoying conversation and, and doing that. And so, you know, there's some tips that I try to give parents like me and, and how, when they're, living in this challenging season of, of feeling like they're too busy or feeling like the disabilities that their kids have are keeping them from friendships. And I, I try to say, you need to be the friend that you want, that you wish you had. Mm-hmm. And so if you wish somebody would text you on a hard day, then you be the friend who texts somebody else on any day. Um, and you start reaching out and then, and then other friends will be reciprocal in that. And so don't, you know, don't sit around and say, Oh, I wish I had a friend who would ask me to lunch when maybe a friend did ask you to lunch when you, you had to say no. But if, if there is a time that you're available, then you do the asking and, and you start initiating some of those relationships. And and another thing, even though it's hard for us to go to other people's houses, it's easy for us to host people at our house because mm-hmm. our house is a safe place for James and um, I don't have to keep my eye on him quite as much when he's at home in his own place. And so we may not get invited over to very many people's houses, but we can invite people to our house and mm-hmm. that helps them know us. And then they know James and, and then they're, you know, there is a little bit of fear with disability, just of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And so people may see us at church and and they don't know how to treat him or how to act, especially because he he often is wearing noise reducing headphones or he's covering his ears and you know he's not going to say hi when somebody says hi to him and they just don't know how to adjust their expectations but if I can have them at our house and if they can see how we interact with him then they know how to interact and then it makes us all more comfortable and then hopefully those friendships can strengthen those are good tips I think the more we understand the struggles that these families go through, the more empathetic we should become. Yes, very true. And of course, as Christians, our our number one goal is to love each other and be the support that they need. 
Yes, that's good. What kind of resources would you recommend uh, for those who want to learn and minister to the families with special needs? Um, I think there's some great resources out there that, that if you may just kind of take time, like um, I know my book was written specifically for special needs parents, but I think that friends who don't have children with special needs who have read it have said, well, I understand better about what your life is like and, and the steps that you've taken and the decisions that you make now that I've read more about what your family has been through. And so, um, you know, just sharing our own stories and really those of us who have children with disabilities, we control the story, like what we share on social media and what we put out there on Facebook. And so, when we are honest about the struggles that we have or the needs that we have, then we're inviting more people in to meet those needs. And so, um, I, I mean, a lot of our church members who don't see James on a weekly basis feel like they know him because I share pictures of him on my Facebook page or or I tell a story about something that he's done. And, and so, um, you know, just paying attention and, and, and our church members asking questions and, and just showing that they're interested and that they care for our kids, I think would would be a huge help. Um, and then if a church is specifically looking to start a special needs ministry, there's some great resources there. There's a book called Leading a Special Needs Ministry by Amy Fenton Lee. And there's another book, Every Child Welcome by Katie Weatherby and Jolene Philo. Um, those are some great resources if churches are ready to take those steps of welcoming even more families like ours. From a personal standpoint, as someone who's living with progressive muscular dystrophy, there's times when I feel inadequate and very limited. And sometimes I think uh, we can use physical limitations as an excuse to retreat or give up how can we overcome fears that might be holding us back that's a really good question and i i know all of us live with some kind of limitation um and some are just more obvious than others some and some of us can fake it <laughs> a lot better than others and so i think that that your story and this question applies to everybody no matter what limitations that, that they even know that they're living with. And so there's a verse in Psalms that I turn to when I when I personally am feeling limited, and it's Psalm 16, 6, and it says, The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a beautiful inheritance. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we come back to that sovereignty of God, and He's the one that lays those lines for us. And he's the one who um, sets the perimeter of, of where we live and who we interact with it and what we're able to do. Um, and those limitations are for our good. They're ple- the psalmist says pleasant places and a beautiful inheritance. And so we have to realize that those limitations are good for us. And I really do think that if we um, could do everything and meet every need and be perfect in every way, then the people around us would never look to Christ for their perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of that as a mom. You know, if, if I can, if I never fail my children, if I meet every need that they have, then they'll never look to their heavenly father to provide for their needs. And 
And so I have to be willing um, to face my own failure and my own inadequacies and my own, even my own sin patterns. I mean, God uses all of that to point others to to His perfection. We we are we are made in His image, but there's just so many things that so many ways that we don't uh, perfectly reflect him. And that's so that, that the rest of the people around us will look to him. And, and so, you know, there's, there's times that we as a family have to say no because of uh, there's just things that James can't do and and we can't do based on what his needs are. And so I have to just remind myself, well, then, then this, wasn't part of what we were supposed to do. We can still do everything that God has called us to do and equipped us to do. And so the things that we have to say no to are beyond what he has called us to, and they're not what he has equipped us for. And so we have to to let that go and let somebody else do those things or fulfill that role so that we can stay focused on the things that only we can accomplish. Right. As you've talked about before and alluded to, life is so busy that we often don't take the time to think about the needs of those around us. Families living with disabilities, unfortunately, are among those who tend to be overlooked. As you are on the forefront of helping churches develop their own disability ministries, what is your prayer for them? Um, I am trying to uh, encourage as many churches <laughs> as possible to meet the needs of our families. I think that families like ours deserve full access to the gospel and a community. And because we're often isolated, we don't have that sense of community that churches provide. So not only do we need the hope of the gospel, but we also need church family, you know, to come alongside us and support us. And so one of the ways that um, I try to encourage churches when I talk to them is is remind them that they're not only ministering to the person with disabilities, but they're ministering to the whole family. I mean, this this can change generations if they are just proactive in, in meeting our family's needs and including us in the full life of the church. And um, in the book, I dedicate it to my mom and four other women, and, and we all grew up together in our small town in Oklahoma. And recently, I was thinking about the other siblings that I grew up with, because we're all about to become caretakers for our siblings with disabilities. And so this is a new phase of life for us. And so I was kind of reflecting on where they are and what they're doing. And so of the four families that went to the same church that I did growing up, there are four of us in full-time ministry. And so it's me and then a children's pastor, a church planter, and a music minister. And so I was just praising God for the church that we grew up in who didn't even have a specific special needs ministry. They just loved us and included us. And so then there's this generation that came after my generation that not only still loves God, but we love the church enough to commit our lives to serving different churches around the country. And so, you know, when churches are are thinking about special needs ministry or praying about the opportunities, I hope that they remember what a huge impact that can make, not only on the, the person who has disabilities, but also on the siblings and the parents and the other people who attend that church who need to be reminded of 
that you know that people with disabilities are worthy of our time and attention and our care, and that church isn't just there to get from people, but it's also there to give to people. And right. so there's just so many blessings that our families can bring to a church that I hope that as I meet with ministry leaders and talk to churches who are t- thinking about these ministries, that, that I can help them see what an important part of their church family that we can be. Mm. We appreciate all the tools and inspiration you've given us today, Sandra. Thank you for sharing your time with us and especially for the reminder that the unexpected can truly be a blessing. Yes, I'm so thankful. I know you guys live this out as well. And so it's an important message to remind to encourage each other with and say, you know, keep going, we can do this, but also to to broaden that audience like you guys are doing and and bring people in on on the blessings that we have learned through our experiences. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.